All right, let's take our Bibles and go to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. It's good to be with you in the house of God this morning on the Lord's Day. And I want to pick up on something that we've been hitting on and off here in recent months. And that's what we affectionately call the shun words. Uh, these are words that end in T-I-O-N, and they're related to our salvation. Uh, these words are important words. They help us to understand the transition that Christ talks about, or that's talked about in John chapter 1, where the Bible says the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And a lot of these words that we've already gone through and will go through are words that sparked the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s through Martin Luther. Uh, one of his texts of enlightenment had to do with justification by faith. And uh, there's a, a straight line from there to literally the formation of this nation. Because those that came to Christ as a result of the Reformation and the changes that took place in Europe as a result of these great truths coming to light, coming to light through the Reformation, uh, inspired the people that came to this country. And uh, folks, the freedom that they talked about and the freedom that they sought was the freedom to read the Word of God, the freedom to preach the gospel freely, the freedom to worship God the way the Bible had molded and formed their conscience and their heart. Uh, not the freedom to have pornography. Not, not, not the freedom for perversion. Uh, not the freedom to kill babies in the womb. That's not the freedom they had in mind. And neither the men and women that have given their lives uh, for our country in the past in great wars. But um, we look at these words, words like justification, uh, imputation, adoption, redemption, propitiation, reconciliation, regeneration, salvation, sanctification, remission, and glorification. And these are words that are fast disappearing from the modern ministry, but they're important words because they give us many aspects of this wonderful thing we call salvation. For instance, justification by faith, as we said, it launched the Protestant Reformation. And the Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it's a judicial act. And when I got saved, I had no idea about it. I just knew that my sins had been put on Christ and I was no longer going to hell for those sins, and that God had forgiven me. Little did I realize that in God's courtroom, God had slammed down the gavel and declared me just because of what Jesus Christ did for me. And if you're saved here this morning, he did the same for you. We looked at imputation and the idea that Christ's righteousness was imputed to us, given to our credit, even though we didn't earn it, and then our sins were imputed to him and put on him for payment for the penalty of our sins. And the Bible says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God 
<coughs> excuse me, in him. And I'll tell you what, anytime I quote that verse or look at it, I still stand amazed to be, to be said that I was made the righteousness of God in him. And if you're saved here this morning, you've been made the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. That was imputed to you as a result of justification by faith. And then we look at the word adoption. And that's another legal judicial act that makes us the sons of God and heirs with Israel. And um, we are in the family of God once we're saved. We're adopted into that family. We weren't born in it by our first birth because we were born sinners. But we're adopted into the family of God after we're born again in Jesus Christ. Then we looked at redemption, to buy something back. The Bible says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. <coughs> and we were once God, gods in Adam and Eve before they sinned. And then when sin came into the world, we were lost. And then God bought us back, redeemed us through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And we looked at the word propitiation. It's the payment that's made to get two uh, parties that are at enmity with one another back together. And <clears throat> the unique thing about propitiation with God and what's so amazing is that God is the offended party because of our sin. Our sins offend him. We offend a thrice holy God and his law with our sins. And instead of waiting for us to make the payment, he makes the payment for us. <clears throat> and the Lord Jesus Christ is the mediator of this propitiation and the propitiation itself. And what that affects for us is reconciliation. It's the result of this propitiation. We are reconciled to God by receiving Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. That propitiation is put to our credit. Christ becomes our mediator, and we are reconciled to God. A pardon is extended to us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we looked at regeneration, and regeneration is unique because unlike most of these other words that we looked at, <coughs> which are judicial words that are done for us and to us, this one takes place in us. When you're born again, you're born again of the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you. And this is why when we get saved, there's real change in our lives. Uh, this is done in us, and we bear the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Uh, being regenerated is something we experience. It's something we feel and something we live. And then we looked at an all-encompassing word, the word salvation. And uh, believe it or not, there are professing Christians these days <coughs> that are offended at the expression of being saved. Uh, they'll say, don't use that word. Don't use the word saved. Folks, uh, when I received Christ as my Savior, I was saved. Um, I received salvation. I was headed for the, um, I was already on the junk heap of humanity, and I was headed for complete catastrophe eternally. And Christ intervened and saved me and gave me salvation. And that brings us to the next word that we want to look at this morning. And we're going to find it here in Hebrews chapter 13. And that's the word sanctification. 
sanctification. Now, if there's a more <coughs> misunderstood Bible doctrine uh, concerning our salvation, I'm not sure what it is. But if we understand it in a biblical context, it's really quite simple. And sanctification in reality is a combination of regeneration and salvation. And it is experiential. It's something we experience in the here and now. And uh, let's look at uh, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 12. The Bible says in verse 12, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Now to sanctify is to set apart, to separate. And the Bible speaks of Christ dying on the cross for us, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered, past tense, without the gate. This is past sanctification. This is God saving us from the penalty of our sin. This is legal, and this has already been accomplished if you know Christ as your personal Savior. So if you're saved here this morning, then in that sense, you're already sanctified. Jesus Christ suffered for you without the gate, the Bible says, and he, he suffered and sanctified you with his own blood. <clears throat> then notice verse 13. In verse 13, we go from past sanctification to present sanctification where he says, let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp bearing his reproach. And that's present sanctification. Past sanctification is being saved from the penalty of sin. Present sanctification is being saved from the power of sin or the effects of sin. And um, folks, when you look at verse 13, you can't improve on that formula for keeping sanctified in this present life. Go to Jesus Christ. Go to Jesus Christ. And where is Christ? According to verses 12 and 13, he is without the camp. He is outside of the camp. He has been put out by this world. This world excludes him. You talk about being canceled. Uh, Jesus Christ is everything, folks. He's the creator. He's the life. He's the light. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. But when you pick up the newspaper tomorrow or t turn on CNN, NBC, MSNBC, or Fox, chances are they're going to be saying nothing of his death, burial, and resurrection. He is without the camp. He is outside. He is the place of reproach. And you just go to him. And the best way to do that is just make it known that you're a Christian. Don't be an incognito Christian. Don't be a secret believer. Um, when it comes to God's army, he's already got plenty of spies. <laughs> he doesn't need any more. He needs open, outed Christians that are verbal for Jesus Christ. And what happens when you do that is the world will put you out. And you'll end up out there without the camp with Jesus Christ. Many of you know this already. Some of the greatest fellowship you'll ever have with the Lord is when the world puts you out of their company because they don't like the reproach of your association with Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? And so we see being saved from the power of sin on a daily basis. That's present sanctification. And then notice verse 14, the third tense here. We've got past, we've got present, and now here's the future. For here we have no continuing city. 
For here we have no continuing city. Uh, folks, there is no perfect place on this earth. And I, I believe this is a great place to live where we live here in this state, in this part of the state. But, uh, you know, I hear all kinds of discussion about the growth and, and all the problems it brings and so forth and so on. And, and people going from blue states to red states and from the city to the country and things of that nature. And you know what I think about all of it, folks? God didn't promise us heaven here on this earth. All right? So, you know, if they build a subdivision near your dream home and you don't like the subdivision, God didn't promise you that that's your eternal mansion. All of that comes later on. Amen? So the Bible says here <coughs> we have no continuing city. Uh, in fact, when you look at the situation in Israel and uh, Gaza and, and all that situation there, what's that all about? Who gets the land? Who gets to live there? And do they have to live with the other ones? Or can we have it all to ourselves? Isn't that what the whole fight is about? All right, folks, you know what? One of these days, God's going to settle all that. He's going to settle all that out at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Right there in Israel. He's going to settle the whole question with Jerusalem. Right there in Jerusalem. But eternally, folks, for those of us that know Christ as our Savior, the Bible says we seek one to come. We seek one to come, an eternal city. And folks, you know what that is? <coughs> That's future sanctification. We were saved past, verse 12, from the penalty of sin. We're saved daily uh, in present sanctification from the power of sin by going to Christ outside the gate and bearing his reproach. And then in verse 14, you have future sanctification. One of these days, we will be saved forever, permanently, from the presence of of sin. The environment around us will be perfect. We'll have perfect bodies. We'll have perfect hearts and minds. We won't be able to sin, and there will be nothing to provoke us to sin. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that. I'm so sick and tired of uh, waiting for the perversion du jour every day, it seems, and all of the nonsense that goes on in the name of progressiveness, and all it is is a twisting and a perverting of things moral, spiritual, and ethical. I'm so tired about hearing corruption in and out of government. I'm so tired of hearing about war and murders and wars and rumors of wars and famines and earthquakes and pestilences and what's the ne next virus that's going to come and get us and folks, it seems like the only news that sells these days is bad news. I'm looking forward to a day, folks, when we get to go to that city that we seek right now. That heavenly Jerusalem. Amen? That city, the Bible says, its streets are paved with gold, gates of pearl. <coughs> folks, the city where God dwells himself. I'm looking forward to that. So sanctification is in three tenses. And where people get confused is when they, they mix those three tenses up and they throw it all in the present tense or all in the past or all in the future. But most of the time when they just lump all three of those tenses together into the present, people get confused and they get all kinds of strange ideas about how to get victory over sin and what sin really is and what it means to walk with God as a Christian. Let's look at this a little more in the scriptures. Go to Hebrews 10. Turn back a couple pages. 
Hebrews chapter 10. Just understanding this word, sanctify or sanctification, to be set apart, understanding it in three tenses. Let's look at it in past tense once again. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10. The Bible says in verse 10, by the which will we are sanctified, there's that word, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, notice folks, once for all. Once for all. I am so glad for that. Because as a Roman Catholic, I grew up going to Mass every Sunday, and that was a supposed re-sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Folks, the Bible says he was sacrificed once for all. Once for all, meaning it's never going to be done again. Once for all, meaning he did it for all of us. What a wonderful sacrifice. And you look at verse 11, the Bible says, And every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Now, Paul is referencing directly to those Old Testament sacrifices that the Jews were still offering even after they had killed their king, their Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And they were still offering those animal sacrifices. But let me say this to my Catholic friends. Pay attention to verse 11. Pay attention to verse 11. Because Jesus Christ offered his body once for all, verse 10, and any priest that's standing up daily ministering and offering sacrifices, those sacrifices can never take away sin. It's the once for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. And the Bible says in verse 12, notice verse 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. One sacrifice for sins forever sat down on the right hand of God. That's the only sacrifice needed, folks, because it was a complete sacrifice, because it was an eternal sacrifice. The Bible says elsewhere in the book of Hebrews that Christ was sacrificed through the, by the eternal spirit. He made that sacrifice for our sins. Folks, you can't get to heaven by your works. You don't even have, I mean, if you were to try to pay God for, for eternal life, you don't even have the right currency. You didn't have the right currency. The currency is the blood of Jesus Christ. And the works we often offer are so, uh, so pathetic. I mean, you know, I, I gave to some charity one time. And uh, I pay my bills. Well, congratulations. You know, uh, or I, I keep the Ten Commandments. And then you ask that same person to name the Ten Commandments, and they can't give you five of them. And on and on it goes, folks. Um, Christ died for our sins, and he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever. Sat down after that on the right hand of God. Now, let me show you something here in verse 12. If you don't think that uh, a, a correct uh, version of the Bible is important in in the Catholic version of the Bible, the way they do that in verse 12 is they'll say, but this man, after he'd offered one sacrifice um, for sins, comma, forever sat down on the right hand of God. They don't like that one sacrifice for sins forever. 
So to get rid of it, they just move that comma after ever, and they put it in front of four. Now, there's a couple problems with that. Number one, it denies the fact that Christ offered one sacrifice for sins forever, but also Christ is not going to forever sit at the right hand of God. In fact, the Bible tells us he's coming back. He's coming back to this earth. And so pay attention to those things because God wants you to understand real freedom from sin in Jesus Christ. And there's past sanctification. Now let's look at present sanctification. Go to John chapter 17. This is all throughout the New Testament. But I'm just going to give you a couple more examples of this. John 17. And this is important to know because when people get these, these tenses confound, then they start thinking things like, okay, let's say, for instance, you get, pat, you get future sanctification mixed up with present sanctification. Then you say, okay, I'm supposed to be sanctified, which means I'm supposed to be what? Sinless. Well, if you're supposed to be sinless and you're not, then what does that implicate? Or if you think you're sinless, in order to do that, you have to, you have to reduce, uh, you have to lower the bar as to what sin really is and pretend like the four or five things that you don't do wrong are all the sin that there really is. And that makes for a pretty small Christianity, if you ask me. So it's important to understand these tenses. John chapter 17. Now here's present sanctification, and Jesus is talking about it in verse 16. The Bible says, they are not of the world, verse 16, even as I am not of the world. Now notice, folks, uh, his disciples are not of the world. They're in the world, we're in the world, but we're not of it. We're in the world, but we don't espouse the philosophies of the world. We're in the world, but we don't do the sinful things that the world promotes. We don't embrace their philosophies and their outlook on life. And uh, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Look at verse 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Notice this last phrase. Thy word is truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Uh, folks, that's precisely what we're doing right now. As we come together to worship the Lord and, and break open the bread of life, get into the word, the truth of the word of God sanctifies us. It does cleansing. It separates us. It sets us apart from the world. It sets us apart in our thinking. Uh, we're to sanctify the Lord God, Peter said, in our hearts. Sanctify the Lord God in our hearts. Give him number one place in our hearts. And, and, and notice that Jesus says it's through the word that this happens. And then verse 18, notice what he says. As thou hast sent me into the world... Even so, have I also sent them into the world. And so he goes into the world, and as he goes into the world, we go into the world, but we go into it with the right mindset. Not to be part of it, but to stand apart from it while we're in it and be a witness for Jesus Christ. Notice verse 19. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Aren't you glad this morning if you're saved that Jesus Christ did sanctify himself? Aren't you glad that he lived that sinless life and then died that death as a sinless savior bearing our sins on the cross? Folks, um, if you're like me, you're glad that someone else isn't depending on you for their salvation by you being sanctified enough.
Jesus Christ didn't fail where we fail. Jesus Christ didn't get tripped up where we get tripped up. Jesus never sinned. Over there in Matthew chapter 4, when the devil comes after him and tries to tempt him, that was an exercise in futility, which the devil found out real fast. Because Jesus Christ had sanctified himself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. He did that for our sake. That's present sanctification. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, let's look at future sanctification. Bottom line is we shouldn't be ashamed to be different from the world, folks. We should look, act, talk, walk, and think differently than this world. Our affections should be different than this world. Our affections should be driven and affected by this book. Sanctify them through thy truth, Jesus said. Thy word is truth. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Here's future sanctification. And notice verse 23. Paul says this, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, body, soul, and spirit, folks. Soul, spirit, and body. However you want to say it. But he says in verse 24, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Now the last shun word we're going to look at, and we won't get to it this morning, is glorification. And I was studying on that this week, and I'll tell you something right now. I'm looking forward to getting my glorified body. I'm looking forward to uh, many of you getting your glorified body that are going through health issues. Uh, I'm looking forward to that resurrection where God calls up those that are saved and gives them their glorified, resurrected bodies. I'm looking forward to that, folks. And uh, that's all implied here when we look at this body, soul, and spirit be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Sanctification. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. We were in chapter 10 before, but let's go to 13. Um, let's back up to verse chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all, and every priest standeth daily ministering and offering uh, oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Um, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. See, if you didn't get your Bible reading in this week, you can get it in this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, and notice verse 25. Now, this section from verses 21 to 33 is the greatest portion of Scripture anywhere in the Bible, and especially in the New Testament, on the husband and wife relationship. And Paul goes on to say in verse 25, Husbands, Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, and notice, and gave himself for it. All right, there's past sanctification. He loved the church and gave himself for it. 
He paid the penalty for our sins. Then notice verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. There's present sanctification, and that's, again, what we're doing now. That's what you do when you get into the word daily, and that's why it's so important to read the word of God. You say, well, sometimes I read it, and, and I don't really get that much out of it. Yeah, but chances are it's still cleansing you. It's still cleansing you. Um, sometimes I take a shower and I don't get that much out of it. But I guarantee you my wife and everybody around me get something out of it. <laughs> they get one less thing to smell, and that's me. Um, it's, it's doing something whether you know it or not. And then notice future sanctification, verse 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Well, that's what we call the church triumphant. The church now is a church militant. We're slugging it out in this world, spiritual warfare. The church triumphant in the future is a church that's described here in verse 27. It's glorious. It doesn't have a spot, it doesn't have a wrinkle, or any such thing, and it's holy and without blemish. Now, someone once said, if you ever find the perfect church, don't join it, because it'll no longer be perfect. And there's no church on this earth that I could find for you, or even in church history, and we could describe it in the terms that are given to us in verse 27, but someday... Someday Christ will bring his bride home. Right now what he's doing is he is sanctifying and cleansing it with the washing of water by the word. But the future is found in verse 27, and that's future sanctification as a result of Jesus Christ completing the work that he started. I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Folks, we live in a world that's gone off the hinges, man. It's, it's, it's off the rails. It's going crazy. You can see that all around you. But for the Christian, the future is bright. The future is bright. And don't be afraid of this word sanctification. Sanctification is a wonderful thing. I'm glad I'm not the person I was. If you think I'm a stinker now, you should have known me before I got saved. And uh, I think that's true of all of us here this morning. And thank God, faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Guaranteed. Let's bow for prayer. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. No one looking around. If you're here this morning and you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior... Would you slip your hand up just for a moment? Say, I know Christ is my personal Savior, no doubt. He is my Savior. I've received him, and he's given me eternal life. All right, thank you. Maybe you're here this morning, and you couldn't raise your hand. And this business of sanctification doesn't apply to you yet. But can I say to you this morning that it can? It can apply to you. God wants you to be saved. Jesus Christ is offering a pardon. He wants to be the propitiation for your sins. He wants to be the payment that brings you and God back together. And he erases the enmity of your sin against a thrice holy God. He wants to put you in right standing with God again. 
Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that this morning? The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're willing to call on his name in repentance, admitting to God you're a sinner in need of a Savior, he's willing to do that for you this morning. Will you trust him? Will you trust him? Is there anybody here this morning that would say, Preacher, I've, I was not saved. I came in here this morning. I was not saved, but I now receive Christ as my Savior. I'm trusting him as my personal Savior even now, and I'm not ashamed of that. I'm believing on him as my personal Savior. I'm calling on his name in my heart and asking him to give me eternal life and to sanctify me. Is there anybody here this morning? You slip your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? Anybody else? Maybe there's somebody that's looking in this morning, live stream, and you've never received Christ. He wants to take care of your sins past, present, and ultimately future. Folks, when you think of all the sins in this world, you think of the wars, you think of things with economy, you think of all kinds of debates about various issues, the biggest issue in life is the sin issue. What am I going to do with these sins of mine? And the thing of it is, you can't do anything with them except give them over to God in the person of Christ. Let Him be the propitiation for your sins. Let Him be your mediator. The one that goes between God and you and brings the two of you together. Will you receive him by faith? Pray a prayer something like this. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I deserve hell for my sins. I've sinned against your holy law. I've offended you with my sin and my sinful lifestyle. And I now receive your payment for my sins, the Lord Jesus Christ who is the propitiation, the payment for my sins. And I want to be reconciled to you by the death of your son and by his precious blood. I now receive him as my personal savior. And I thank you that he died and that he rose again from the dead and that he's willing to be my savior. And I now receive him by faith. I receive him by faith to be my personal savior. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand and take our hymnals and turn to number 371. Once for all, number 371.
close us in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father, what a thing that you would uh, not only save us from the penalty of sin, but God, that you would deliver us from sin here in this life, that we might honor and glorify you, uh, raise our families and witness to others. And God, that uh, uh, someday we would be uh, fully sanctified in heaven with you. And God, uh, we thank you for it. Lord, we, we can't hardly believe it uh, often, but God, uh, help us to believe what you've uh, given unto us that we might tell others about it. We thank you and we praise you for it. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name.